0: Today's message is called Abide in Anticipation. <clears throat> the scripture that we'll be looking at today is found in Acts chapter 1, verse 1, and we'll be going as far as verse 5. First off, I'd like to say that it is a privilege to be able to share this message with you today, and that I'm blessed to be able to To share the gospel with all of you my hope is that the lord would bless each of you this day and that you would become more grounded in christ and that christ would become the center of your life in a deep and meaningful way one that impacts not just yourself but your community those around you As we step into the message today, I pray that we can see that God is at the very center of the lesson. And what he has in store for us today will cause us to grow spiritually. We're called to abide and anticipate Christ, just as his disciples were called to endure and abide. The promise that Christ had given them. Christ was also called to abide and anticipate the Father's promises. And so he suffered both emotional and physical humiliation of the cross, but he held to the anticipation of a more excellent gift, that gift being the gift of salvation. The 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 disciples were told to anticipate and wait in the book of Acts. Now, as we look at the first few verses here, these are Luke's words. And what they are is they're re-encapsulating the first book uh, of Luke. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning. Verse 2. Until the day when he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. Verse 3. After his suffering, he presented himself alive by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Now there's a lot we could discuss inside that those first three verses, but we we kind of already talked about how in order for us to abide and anticipate, we have to stay with Christ at the center, just as the disciples did. The disciples were told to anticipate. As we go further, you'll see, but the disciples were told to anticipate christ's promises they were called to follow christ and gave their own lives to spread the christian faith to the four corners of the earth there was a lot more than just simple conviction going on these people were dedicated to christ and his call but there was something more there we're not going to get into it just yet because that promise is yet to come they're yet to to receive that particular promise, we are called even today to the same promise Jesus shared all those years ago. Today, we must learn to abide in anticipating while holding dear Christ's words to his the same words that he would have shared with his disciples, because those exact words still hold true today for us. Can we think? Can you think of a time where you had to abide in Christ for the anticipation of a promise that he made to you? Can you remember, can we remember if that promise was fulfilled? Now, let us endure in Christ to see many evidences and convincing proofs he demonstrated he also did this he did this right in front of the disciples and in verse 3 of acts here he said after his suffering he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of god now if i want to look a little further i can go over here in luke chapter 24 and in verse 36 as they were talking about these things jesus himself stood among them and said to them peace to you but they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit or a ghost And he said to them why are you troubled and why do you and why do doubts arise in your hearts see my hands and my feet that it is myself touch me and see for a spirit does not have flesh and bone as you see that i have and when he had said this he showed them his hands and his feet and while they were still disbelieved while they still disbelieved for joy they were marveling. He said to them, have you anything to eat? He gave them, they gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took and ate it before them. See, convincing proof, Christ showed that he was alive. Even though his disciples were filled with fear, that, that we might see this physical manifestation of, In others, that we might witness Christ in others, that we might witness the Spirit of Christ that is in others. And although we may be frightened by the possibility of such an event in our lives, just as the disciples were even then, we would let the word of Christ encourage us, and we would take heart and allow the Savior's words to draw us to Him and the truth. Of the way. Even when the disciples were scared in Luke, Jesus said, What? Peace be to you in verse 36 Peace be to you. But they were startled, even though he said, Peace be to you. Then he talked to them and asked them questions about why their doubts arose in their hearts. And he He confronted the fear that was in there. And then he also. He also confirmed the truth that he was not a ghost. For he said, see my hands, my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see for a spirit does not have flesh and bone as you see that I have. In verse 39. I like the contrast of Acts and Luke, obviously, because they do connect. They are together. In the first verse, we see Luke was writing to Theophilus, going back to Acts now, a patron of Luke and the funder of the gospel. Many biblical scholars believe this to be what it was, in fact. Luke is writing to him to relate all that is happening regarding the account of Christ and the apostles. Theophilus, I can only imagine, is abiding and enduring Luke's work that is in progress. And the others that he might be representing as well. Maybe there's a church. Maybe that church belongs to another part of the world, like Antioch. And maybe they're waiting in anticipation for this letter. For this book. The book of Acts is the product of abiding and anticipating the cultivating of Christ, shaping his disciples' characters into the future. The apostles chose Christ, and they were closest to him. They had to abide with Christ until this day. They had to endure hardship and loss. They were acquainted with humiliation. Peter's denial of Christ as an example. How tough would that be? Knowing that the man that you loved, that you walked with for those, those years, that you did walk with him, and, and all with all that you're, you are, you wanted to be with him right to the end but couldn't do it. And even though you were very vocal about doing it, you failed. And he told you you were going to fail. But now there he is again, right across from you. There must have been some humiliation. And I'm sure Christ addressed it. Christ had to take on the suffering and also humiliation of his own when he was crucified on the cross. To fulfill the plan of the Father to ensure the hope of salvation for all of humanity. Now, I'm going to step away for a moment. Not from the sermon, but I want to share a connection that I find in the book of John. The connection to John. Jesus spoke of himself as the true vine when john shares this beautiful discourse of christ's heartfelt love for his followers this is true of every stage of his disciples' lives it was true when he first met them the same love that he had there it was true when peter denied him it was true when other disciples made made decisions that were maybe contrary to what christ was teaching them but christ's heart was at the center of these things so his words are no taking shape of a realization here. All the teachings, everything that he's done, now that he's with his disciples, now that he's sharing this promise, he's sharing about what's coming. This is happening. This is prophetic. But it's the actualization of prophecy that's occurring. Christ's heart is at the center of it all. The nature of Jesus, which is found throughout the Gospel of John, whose unique perspective is much needed in understanding the biblical truth as a whole. We need to understand that the Gospels, and Old Testament and New Testament, they are what we look to to see a bigger picture, to give us greater understanding. They hold continuity for each other. And in John 15, 1 through 2, that's verse 1 and verse 2, Jesus says, now these are his words, Christ's own words, I am the true vine, and the Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. Now, in connection with our Acts gospel, and in Luke, Christ has done this. He told them, "This is what he's speaking about." This is before Acts, so this is during. This is during the ministry years, and Jesus is sharing with his disciples who he is, what his heart is intent for them, that they are the, going to be the vine. But he's going to prune them to make them more fruitful. And pruning is a painful process. But it does make us better. When, when God prunes us, or puts us in difficult times. He, he's steady and he knows what he's doing. But he's going to prune away the things that aren't good so that we can continue to grow with fruit that is good. John 15, 4 says, Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So we're the branches and he's the vine, sorry. And he's going to prune the branches so that they can grow. When I stop and I think about the disciples, Coming together, at the beginning of this book, this book of Acts, and the beginning that they get to spend some time with the true vine, and all the pruning that he's done, he's done that so that they can have the promise. They must abide and anticipate God's promise. Just like the tree anticipates the rain or the dew. It it lives in the anticipation of its environment to give it sustenance. So did the disciples. And of course, we can all relate to being pruned. We can all relate to, to having to be Clip back in order to bear more fruit. We can all relate. To having to need to learn to abide. So I have some points to make for you. And first one is. We learn to abide. Learning to abide. Your personal journey. It's going to be different from everybody, but you must learn to abide. How do we do that? Well, first, we must abstain from leaving Christ. We must refrain from abandoning the Christian walk. We must refrain from abandoning fellow Christian people or the calling that God has placed on your life. And although it is undoubtedly a challenge to follow Christ, There are many bumps and many things that get in the road. We must adhere to the guidance of the Holy Spirit, which is what we're going to. But it's through the guidance of the Holy Spirit that we begin to understand better. John 15, 5 and 6, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who abide in me, and I in them bear much fruit. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers, and branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. So what I hear here, it's, it's vital to stay connected to Christ. It's vital to stay connected. We must. We must stay connected to Christ. Outside of him, there is no life. Inside of him are all things. All things. But how do we do this? What's this process? Well, it brings me to my next point. Adhere to the word. We must cling to the words of Christ. This means having daily conversation with God. Prayer life. Strengthen it. Strengthen your prayer life. But even more so, I want to I want to challenge you to
1: strengthen
0: your scriptural readings daily. Make it daily. Bring it with you wherever you go. Because this will lead us to deeper relationship with Christ. Even Christ in the Old Testament, well, not the Old Testament. Even Christ knew the Old Testament is what I want to say here. He knew the Old Testament scriptures and he was fond of quoting them. He quoted them to his disciples He quoted them to the religious leaders. And why did he quote them to religious leaders? Well, number one, he was reminding them of the authenticity and the depth of the Word of God. And he was also showing them that the Word of God wasn't just for some, it was for all. By adhering to the Word, we abide in our Savior, we devote our lives to the anticipation of the promises made in Scripture. But what's more here is you can't know what the promises are unless you're reading the Scriptures. So you need to be in the Word of God so that you can identify the guarantees by correctly discerning the Word. Luke 24, 44, and 45 says, Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Now, of course, if we look back at Acts, I'm just going to quickly here, and we look at verse 4. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait There for the promise of the Father. This he said to them is what you have heard from me. Christ's words are where we need to be. They're where we need to be at. In John 15 and 7, it says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. There's power in abiding in Christ power in abiding in Christ and being obedient to Christ's words. So the next one is, if we're abstaining from leaving Christ, if we're adhering to the word, then we can definitely anticipate the promise because we have a great relationship. We're involved in a great relationship with Christ and we must learn and, and must expect to grow our relationship. We must learn how to grow our relationship, but we also have to expect our relationship to grow. The Holy Spirit is the antithesis, so he's the opposite of our human condition. He doesn't see the limitations that you've placed on your own life. You place a limitation on your life, he wants to move it past, but that comes from the anticipation of promises fulfilled in relationship. With Christ, with the Holy Spirit, which we're about to get to. In the focus of our relationship, we can anticipate the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our life. We can expect great power to impact our personal relationship with Christ and God the Father. We must learn to expect the supernatural in a very, very mundane world. Acts 1-5 through 5. But one verse five, sorry. This is the promise. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So we've come to the end of our one through five verses. And we're seeing that it, it finishes with a promise. It finishes by placing the disciples, the apostles, in a place of abiding with Christ. They were abiding with Christ. And now they're anticipating what? The Holy Spirit not many days from now. Luke 24 and 49. And see, I am sending upon you what my father promised. So stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. The final thing that I want to talk about, the final point is you have to agree with that promise. The promise of the Holy Spirit is forthcoming in the disciples' lives at this point. Now, obviously, we're post Pentecost, we're past it now. We have this promise in our lives. We must learn to agree with the promise in our lives. We have to anticipate the promise. We need to agree with it, though. We agree with the promise that Jesus Christ has made, abide and anticipate the Holy Spirit, and you will enjoy the freedom you never thought possible. We must not leave our relationship with Christ. We must apply ourselves to scriptural readings and demonstrate it. It's not just enough to read the Bible. We have to demonstrate it in our daily lives. Only through the Holy Spirit can you accomplish the gospel's goal that we need to abide and anticipate. The outcome, the upper room experience is about to begin. Christ's vision unfolds in his disciples and his mission statement will happen, will occur. This will flip the world upside down. Christ's words will be proclaimed throughout the world and many, many people will be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Luke 24, 47, here's Christ's want, his desire. And that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. For all those, you receive the Holy Spirit. He has given them power to overcome the world, because he first overcame the world. And of course, I have a quote here from my father. Faith moves mountains. Faith moves mountains. And I'm sure many people have said it before. But that's where I want to leave tonight. Thank you for tuning in and God bless. I pray the Lord would watch over you and care for you. Amen.